0: kestrel, an American kestrel, perched on a utility wire. When I took the mail down to the mailbox this morning, and the little kestrels, you think, boy, what are they doing here? They got wings. Why don't they leave? Shouldn't they go somewhere where it's warmer? Especially when we think about kestrels, these tiny little falcons are about the size of a blue jay. They eat mostly insects. So you got to say, boy, there aren't a whole lot of insects for them to eat now. Well, they also feed on snakes and frogs. And so we think the same, well, there's no snakes or frogs for them to eat. They will take an occasional songbird, so there are a few of those around, but they will eat a lot of small rodents, so mice and voles. And they have this wonderful thing that kestrels have the ability to see an ultraviolet light. So it's a superpower. And seeing into ultraviolet light, which we, of course, cannot do, that enables them to detect the urine trails left by voles, which are a common prey item. So what they're seeing are these bright paths that highlight the way to a meal, just as neon signs on restaurants direct our appetite. Uh, Kestrels breeding here in Minnesota are more migratory than those that breed farther south in the U.S., So their migration may exhibit a leapfrog pattern in which the northern birds, our birds, will winter south of the southern birds. So a lot of the southern birds will just move a little ways or maybe stay put, where our guys will go down and fly over them. Uh, Migratory patterns depend on the vigor and the hunting skills of individual birds and winter's intensity. So most kestrels breeding in Minnesota migrate south in the winter, although some males are winter resident says this little fellow out here is going to be and i think they're our most beautiful raptor <clears throat> and you might say what is a raptor well a raptor according to the raptor center is a carnivorous bird and it has sharp talons and a hooked beak and uh, they, i just think they're the most beautiful little bird the problem is in our world where we move at uh, 70 miles an hour It's a real tiny bird sitting on a utility wire, and it's real hard to appreciate the beauty of it. But I was lucky enough to grow up not only with a Charlie Pride singing father, but an American kestrel that the DNR brought out because somebody had shot it in the wing. So we had a little uh, kestrel by the name of Henry for many, many years. Um, David Griffin. And I don't know where Dave is from, or David, but uh, he said he was driving east on U.S. Highway 18 south of Mason City, that being be in Saragordo County. He saw a snowy owl. The bird was on the ground in the median strip just west of California Avenue exit. I could not tell if the bird was injured or not, but it sure was a bummer of a place to be for a big owl. Yeah, boy, a median strip would be, that would be a bad, bad place. Uh, Chad Hines of Mankato said a friendly reminder that this Saturday, December 16th, we will have the Mankato Christmas Bird Count. We are meeting at Merrill and Karen Freidendahls at 7.30 a.m. at 589 Forest Heights in North Mankato. That also means that any unusual birds found during the count week in the Christmas Bird Count Circle from Wednesday to Wednesday should also be reported to Chad just in case it's not seen on Saturday. Uh, Chad went out and tried to see a snowy owl. He said he struck out on a target bird but found a lone short-eared owl hunting at the Mapleton sewage So I was able to see the bird coursing back and forth over the grassy areas. Uh, Tim Scott uh, sent me an article in the New York Times about the decline of insects in Germany. And um, yeah, it's kind of scary. I wrote about it. Uh, I'm a newspaper columnist. I wrote about it oh, a month or six weeks ago uh, about the testing that they're doing over there. And they actually put out these traps and then they weigh the insects in there. And the amount, percentage of drops in populations of insects in this part of Germany is is kind of frightening Arlene Carr uh, Arlene is from Northfield and she writes says at the post office they are now selling a sheet of protect pollinators stamps there are 20 forever stamps on a sheet they have mostly native flowers with native bees and monarchs on them they're really beautiful so I have a feeling they will sell out quickly I met with a fellow named Paul Nagel the other day. Paul lives in Glenville and Paul is uh, retired and what's he doing in his retirement he's making bird feeders and I'm I'm so envious of people that make things. I can make a mess and a nuisance out of myself, but that's about it. I'm I'm really good at those two things. Paul's well-made feeders are available at Barn Boutique. It's located at the top of Iowa Welcome Center and rest area in Northwood, the Elberley Seed House, and at the Three Oaks Greenhouse and Floral and Lake Mills. If anybody would be interested, I've got one out my window here. Boy, they're really well-made, and I'm hoping it'll last forever. If anybody's interested, uh, Paul's a really good guy. Give him a call at Nagel's Nature Novelties at 448-3906, 448-3906. And golly, I hope this is the year you see a snowy owl, so keep an eye out. Uh, they are so pretty. How do you find them? Just look for a big lump or clump of snow <laughs> at, that blinks. There you go. If it blinks, you say, ah, I bet that's a snowy owl. It's our heaviest North American owl, and so it shows
1: up here in the winter. They're big, aren't they? Aren't they pretty large?
0: They are big, and they look really huge to me. We had one stay uh, in the spring a little bit here, just down the road from where I live, and when it was on the bare ground, it looked huge. It was just, but when they get out there in the snow it's pretty hard to find them unless they move around right and they, here we have these windswept fields and it makes them feel right at home that's like the tundra <laughs> and they come here to hunt voles again voles they are the potato chip of the prairie yeah thing I'm but happy to eat them
1: I'm happy if they hunt voles because you know we get those in our our yard uh, from time to time it, it sort of depends on conditions but uh, when the conditions are right yeah they they definitely make their little tunnels all over the place so i'm okay with the with the snowy owl i did see one one time um and it was it was pretty amazing i i thought it was probably big enough to carry my dog away
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you know they might try Um, (laughs) when dave griffin said that median strip is a bad place for a snowy owl it's a terrible place because they don't They don't know humans, they don't know cars, they wouldn't know a little puppy, I mean, that's just things that are foreign to them. So we have a young snowy owl comes down here, and everything is new to him, you know, but he wants to try everything, probably, because he's hungry. (laughs) And when they come here, they eat voles again, mice and rabbits, and some birds. Um, I know Karen's favorite animal on Earth is a vole. She just um, doesn't like them at all. And not many people like them. Otherwise, we'd have athletic teams that would be the Viterbo voles or the Valparaiso voles or something, the Vanderbilt voles. We don't have any of them. They don't get, you know, the banana slugs get a name as a nickname, but not the vole. So they're just below banana slug in everybody's (laughs) opinion. This year, Gully, there's been a really good number of snowy owls, and again, they are these pale shapes with cat-like yellow eyes that have been seen in Minnesota and Iowa. And their migrations here, boy, their migrations are extremely variable. These guys, snowy owls, spend summers north of the Arctic Circle where they hunt lemmings and ptarmigan in 24-hour daylight. And in years when lemming populations boom, the owls lay more eggs, they raise more young. And so snowy owls are what a lot of folks will call an eruptive species, that's with an I, meaning their migration depends on varying food supplies, particularly lemmings. So a plethora of lemmings in the summer means plenty of food for young owls, and many of those owls will survive to adulthood In winter, those young owls head south in search of food. Winter eruptions occur mostly in years following highly successful breeding years. Uh, Snowy owl populations are tied to lemming reproductive cycles. And when lemming numbers drop, so do the numbers of snowy owls. And research has shown that lemmings account for about 95% of a snowy's diet in their breeding territory. Some snowy owls might winter on the breeding grounds. Just oh Man, they have to weather temperatures as low as a minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And when you see them, you'll notice something, that most snowy owls aren't pure white. They're white birds with varying amounts of black and brown on body and wings. Females typically have more dark markings than males, and the males become whiter with age. Now that I've said all this, why they come down, because it's food... They are uh, being able to study snowy owls a lot more than they w- did before. And they found a few that just come down pretty much every year. So they're, they haven't quite figured out the whole migration and can't put their thumb on why some of them come down. But it will be interesting now that they're putting... Uh, radios on a lot of those so they'll be able to track them, and it'll really really be cool. They're such beautiful birds, and of course, Harry Potter made them very, very popular with Hedwig, but I hope for Christmas, if I could make one wish, um, other than the happiness of everybody listening, it'd be that everybody gets to see a snowy owl. That would be so cool. I got a nice uh, email from somebody here without a, nope, no name. said, do goldfinches migrate? Uh, We love American goldfinches. They're the state bird of Iowa, and they are so beautiful. Um, They were considered to be the state bird of Minnesota at one time, but they didn't, didn't quite make it. They got beat out by the common loon. American goldfinches molt. They lose their feathers twice a year and grow new ones. They do it once in late winter, and they do it again in late summer. In the winter, as I look out on my feeder now, and there's a couple of them there, they're this subtle, drab brown color. And the yellowing of a male's plumage in the spring is such a welcome sight. My mother always said if I behaved myself all winter, I would get gold in the spring, and that was in goldfinches. Many northern populations are goldfinches will migrate. And the migration, again, varies by age, sex, and latitude wintering flocks are nomadic and their movements are tied to food supplies so they they don't have any ties to your yard other than food and someplace to perch the goldfinches in our winter yards aren't necessarily the same birds that summered here so uh, the birds we have here might be from international falls or Duluth or somewhere that are here in our yard but I'm just happy to have them here this um, 2018, man, I can't believe it's 2000, it'll be 2018 here before a blink of an eye. To mark the upcoming centennial of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, National Geographic is teaming with Audubon, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and BirdLife International to make 2018 the year of the bird. And the Year of the Bird will celebrate the wonder of our feathered friends and provide an opportunity for people everywhere to recommit themselves to protecting birds. The Year of the Bird will examine how our changing environment is driving dramatic losses among bird species around the globe and highlight what can be done to reverse this negative trend. So uh, good for all involved. I'm... Last week, and I don't remember who it was that asked, it was somebody I should probably know, said, do you think cats really have nine lives? Um, You know, why not? A frog croaks every night and it, it still lives, so if it can do that every night, why couldn't a cat have nine lives? I will say this, though, indoor cats have 17 lives and outdoor cats have but one. So if you add the two together the average is out to be nine it's just a it's a tough life out there for an outdoor cat you just think of weather like this it's it's a tough life when we just go outdoors for a little while in winter let alone being out there as some cats are all winter I feel sorry for them it's a a tough tough life and there's a lot of folks out there that don't care for cats a whole lot and don't want them out wandering around so it's I I don't know How did, this is an easier question, how did buckthorn get its name? We all fight with buckthorn, and not everybody, but I used to go out to the state park where I was a volunteer, and we would get the sentence-to-serve folks, which are just, uh, boy, what a a, a gal who ran them was just, she did such a wonderful job, got them out there and put them all to work, and they worked like rented mules. So I appreciated all that, and we would, uh, this was many years ago, we'd pull up common buckthorn. We'd pull it out of the ground. We thought, man, we're getting rid of this stuff. Well, we could never get the whole root out. So it would leave a little bit of the root down in the soil, and it would send up suckers that would grow about three times, at least twice as fast as the regular tree had. And we'd have just as much, if not more, buckthorn than we had before. Uh, Common buckthorn was once uh, sold by a lot of nurseries. I led a walk on Summit Avenue in St. Paul one day, and we were just walking down the street looking at urban birds. It was an urban bird walk, we called it. And I looked at some of the hedges, some of these beautifully pruned hedges up there. They were made from buckthorn. Buckthorn keeps its um, leaves well into winter. It has uh, it has berries that birds will eat. Um, I have eaten them um, I ate them intentionally. I was a little boy, and I ate everything pretty much. that looked like a berry because I thought all berries were good. It had a soapy taste to it. And from that day on, for a number of years, I call them the diarrhea bush. So the same thing happens to birds. When they eat these berries, it goes through their system, lickety-split. So they deposit the seed along with a little fertilizer, and we have more buckthorn. So because it goes through the system so fast, it doesn't provide a whole lot of nutrition to the bird. How did common buckthorn get its name? Well, the common part is common, I guess, but buckthorn got its name, the buckthorn part, from the fact that when the buds, they have buds on there, they're opposite on the twig, and they resemble a deer hoof. So the buckthorn was a pretty pretty good name but uh, i wouldn't recommend anybody they look a lot like choke cherries and that's why i ate them and um, that was a mistake it was a big mistake and i don't recommend anybody do that even even if you have a problem with constipation or something i would avoid buckthorn i'd go with something that your doctor doctor recommends and no doctor as far as i know recommends uh, get out there and eat a little buckthorn that should clean you right out And uh, it would, but I just, uh, I wouldn't do that. It'd be a bad, bad thing. I should, uh, Gully, before I forget, we should wish Karen uh, uh, speedy recovery. Yes. She called me this morning, and I thought it was some uh, creepy call from Heavy (laughs) Breather, and it it turned out to be Karen. I thought, wow, that is... uh, so she's got a lollapalooza of a head cold.
1: Yeah, she does. I think um, you know it's one of those deals where you get that thing, and all you can really do is uh, you know rest and and drink hot tea. And you know, I mean, what else? What else can you really do?
0: Years ago, I spent uh, in order. I still spend a lot of time in schools, but for a few years there, I just spent forever in schools doing programs and teaching writing classes and things. I don't know. How does a teacher keep from having a cold all year long? Because there's always some kids in there with the sniffles or the sneezes or coughing and stuff. It, it's just a petri dish. Each classroom is a petri dish of germs. <laughs> and I thought, boy, how do these? You know, and I, I'm don't I'm not paranoid about many things, but I, I fly quite a bit, and when somebody sneezes behind me on the plane. I'm thinking those that sneeze is just rocketing through the plane. And I drink ginger ale in, which doesn't have anything to do with colds. It has something to do with an upset stomach. But I have this belief that I, if I drink ginger ale, it'll fend off these germs that are flying through the air and aiming right at me. So it's a wonder that we all aren't in Karen's boat today. Well, when You think about all the people we meet and talk to.
1: It's funny you should mention the ginger ale thing. I think ginger ale is a really popular drink on airplanes, and I don't know why that is, but they always are well-stocked with ginger ale. And I kind of notice a lot of folks select ginger ale on airplanes, and maybe for the reason you stated, you know, that uh, that, that maybe it, it prevents an upset stomach, but also maybe it uh, it fends off that, uh, that awful germ-filled, uh, uh, you know, cabin that you're sitting in. But I I've had the people who um who have the horrible coughs, oh. oh man, and they just never stop the entire flight. That's that's worse to me than a sneeze.
0: Those racking coughs. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think ginger ale is because of the sneezers, the chronic sneezers in there. But I yeah, that racking cough. Everybody says. Kids, oh, I don't want to sit by a little kid or a little baby on there, but I'd much rather sit by one of them than somebody with one of those racking costs. Agreed. That one might have got me. He might have got me with that (laughs) one. I don't don't know if I'm going to be okay now. And you want to call the flight attendant and just say, help me do yeah. something i don't know yeah. put this guy out of his misery or right. throw him off the plane or <laughs> something i just don't want to i don't want to listen to this anymore and, and you know we're good minnesotans so we feel sorry for the guy too oh that sure got, you do
1: yeah i mean you always do cough. yeah I, and we just
0: wish he was coughing in another seat somewhere
1: or another airplane
0: <laughs> yeah that's even better <laughs> yeah and talking about petri dishes of of germs, boy, that's what an airplane is when you think about it. Oh yeah, we're all we're all jammed in there, and it just everything is flying
1: around. And okay, thinking, boy. But here's here's another here's a contrary idea that I kind of support, and that is breathe it in, because you're just gonna <laughs> you're just gonna you know make your immune system even better, right? It's, so just it, breathe you know,
0: it in. I agree with you. I think because you know some of those studies have shown kids that grew up. Um, just kind of rolling around in the dirt
1: and maybe eating some
0: yeah, yeah they're healthier because they've already fought off all that stuff exactly. and you get a germ and the body says that's nothing you know we uh we used to step barefooted in cow manure four or five times each day just to start the morning off so yeah i think you're right golly that's that's going to be my goal today <laughs> um, yeah my wife and i ring bells for the salvation army oh sure uh, a lot and uh, we're doing a little um, less this year because we didn't know what kind of shape I was going to be in but we that's what I'm going to do when everybody comes in I'm just going to breathe deeply and and just uh, uh, my wife and I do that for selfish reasons because um, it just boy we enjoy doing it. it makes us makes us feel like we're earning the oxygen so when I breathe deeply uh, that's all oxygen I feel I've earned from, just from <laughs> ringing a bell, so which is a pretty
1: cool thing. There you go.
0: It is um, great to hear from everybody with all your reports and what you've been seeing. And um, I hope you keep seeing a lot of things. You know, we um, Yogi Bear gets credited for saying pretty much everything. Anything Socrates said or Lincoln said, uh, Yogi gets credit for it, and more power to him. But he. Uh, said, and you've seen this many different ways, but you observe a lot by looking. And uh, boy, that's that's the secret, I guess, is just to get out and look at stuff. There's so much beauty in this world by that can be seen just by looking out a window and seeing all these incredible creatures that are out there. I saw a little possum in the yard, and he's just Uh, You know, possums aren't meant for Minnesota. They freeze their ears and their tail. But he's walking along and he walked right into a shepherd's hook post. Just bam! Walked right into it, head first. They should all get to see an optometrist right away. They have really bad eyesight. They can smell things um, and they can remember where food is better than a cat or dog or rabbit or squirrel. But they don't see things, and I think that's a lot of their problem with uh, Buicks and things. They just don't see it coming, because we can see them. They look up, and they're sniffing the air, and then boom, something hits them. So Minnesota is just hard on them. They have these huge broods of young, and that's what keeps them going here, is they just produce so many babies, because their annual maturity, mortality rate has to be just uh, incredibly high Uh, but i like seeing them they're cute little guys and he climbs up the the shepherd's hook out here after he runs head first into it and he climbs up and then he can't get over this baffle so he slides back down like a fireman going down a pole and i just uh, i wished him a, a merry christmas at the cafe today, where the food chain is missing a few links, the special is always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. I enrolled in a driver's improvement class recently. I should enroll in an improvement class covering everything I do, but the driver's class was the only one with an opening. Besides being reminded of common sense things such as don't veer for deer. Yeah, everybody remember that. Don't go down in the ditch and hit a culvert or a field driveway or something. You're actually better off hitting the poor deer. But besides those common sense things, I learned a lot in that class, and I'll remember some of it. I learned, well, the instructor told us that tires made after 2000 have four-digit DOT codes and the first two numbers represent the week in which the tire was made and the second pair represents the year so a tire with a DOT code of 1609 was produced in the 16th week of 2009 an unused tire isn't always new so she said check when you're buying new tires to see when they were made and she asked how often is it necessary to pass the vehicle ahead of you we all were stumped then as we were most of the class She said, give that proper consideration. You'll find that the answer is very seldom. (laughs) At the end of a lovely day of learning, I thought of something that Dudley Moore had said. Dudley said, the best car safety device is a rearview mirror with a cop in it. (laughs) Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thanks, Gully. Man, I'm glad I know you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening to KMSU. It really is great radio.
1: Catch you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.